What's up, friends? It's E, and welcome to a new episode of Midweek Rise Up. I pray that you're seeing God move and work in your life as you give gratitude and praise for the day that you're in. In this episode, we're going to be talking about why your story is important in this crazy world that we live in. So let's take a deep breath, maybe even grab a quick cup of coffee or tea, whatever you prefer, and let's unpack the word for this week together as we jump into the good news. The word for this week is story. When you were little, and if you have any little ones around you, they love stories, like bedtime stories especially. And story time for me growing up was my favorite, let alone I was obsessed with books. But why in our culture are we so intrigued by stories? And, and they don't even have to be fictional ones, real life stories that embody the struggles, the realities of the human condition that are on full display. We soak them up. Think of your favorite movies you identify with or books. And personally, I feel like it's because it brings to life within us this inspiration that our own story that dwells within us is just as important or just as thought-provoking when shared appropriately. And God does not make mistakes. So in this episode, I want to intentionally break down why your story is so important and so needed and how to structure your story if you're going to share it with others so you're not just rambling on and losing people in translation, but also how to use it in a way to bring glory to God. Interestingly enough, a couple thousand years ago, Aristotle believed that the human mind finds organization through storytelling that uses the classic story structure of a beginning, a middle, and an end. And think about it, even in school, when you were writing a story, a teacher would share with you those three categories of how to structure a story. So with knowing that you can view the Bible similarly, this living gospel filled cover to cover with God's story intimately woven through the lives of real people that face many trials and tribulations and temptations that we are all so familiar with. And one thing I love about the Bible is that no page hides this truth. No matter how uncomfortable or how detailed, it's all right there because every page in God's story is written with deep intentionality. So look at your life story. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end with many climactic moments riddled in between. Even like I said above, the Bible has a beginning. It has a middle and it has an end. And with the beginning, literally titled the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the key word there is created. All throughout Genesis 1, God does and did all of the creating. And still to this day, even with you, God did all of the creating for your story. He created you in his image. He created you specifically for his glory. So why is your story important? How do you even tell your story? And how do you even know what your story is? And before we tackle these questions, it's important to realize that there is only one you, one set of your DNA. So your story is specific to you. No one else can live it. No one else can write it. Your time here on earth is limited. So don't waste your time focusing on the chapters in someone else's story as you leave your pages blank or with those little dots, dot, 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 and just pause right there. Don't do that. When you truly grasp and understand your story, You are no longer held captive or a victim to the pieces of it that are the most sinful and and dark. That's something very important to remember, that God, being the author, uses the hard times and sometimes the darkest and lowest points in your life, and he uses them. He uses them for his purpose. And it's not about you. It's about the people that will view your triumph to what you've had to overcome 
as part of their own form of a personal survival guide, if you will. So the parts of you that aren't whole, that are shattered in pieces and are painful to touch or look at or share with others, God uses those pieces and ties them together. He reunifies them under a new offering and he gives you this new beginning. Only the devil wants you to live in shame and condemnation, not God. So don't be ashamed of your story. But here's why your story is so important. It's a meta-narrative. Your story is your personal walk with God, just how it is for someone else. So apart from each other, your story is just a thread until it's woven into someone else's. And here's an example of that. Imagine just for a second this massive tapestry in front of you and all of these random different types of threads, all different types of colors hanging, just hanging, not making any sense. But then once you turn the tapestry around, you see this beautiful picture, this beautiful woven piece of art that is just all woven together. All of the threads are woven together. All of the pieces make sense. And it's just this unbelievably beautiful tapestry. And it's complete. And this to me is an example of what corporate spiritual formation looks like. When we are all woven together into each other's lives intentionally as God's will is carried forward. So this complete tapestry of all these threads woven together for a purpose so much bigger than just that one single thread that you saw on the back of the tapestry before you turn it around. And this corporate spiritual formation that is created with the addition of your story woven into the mix of community and those around you is so deeply important. You might not even know that your thread is weaving into someone else's. It could be something that's intentional or unintentional. It could be something as incredible as you sharing the gospel with someone or something as simple as a random act of kindness and you're buying a stranger a cup of coffee or complimenting someone walking by. And there's a great quote by an author named Dieter Zander, and he writes, we value individualism in our tradition, but individualistic Christianity is an oxymoron. The fact is we need other human beings and meaningful relationships to grow. So why is your story important? Because it's unique. And I think the reason why people are so embarrassed or ashamed of their story sometimes is because they feel guilty about their uniqueness and guilty about their circumstances. And the problem is that guilt translates into being misunderstood more often than not because you're lacking that authenticity and ownership and transparency of your story. And the body of Christ needs your story. A great leader of spiritual formation once said, keep in mind your life story is your story and God's story. Your life story is your story of your life as you remember it from birth to now. And your life story is also God's story of your life as he has graciously created you and cared for you and walked with you. It is your story and God's story that you have to tell. So let's tell it. Grab a piece of paper or even open up your computer and let's break this down even a little further on how to articulately discover and share your story. And before you structure out your life into columns of chronological order on a paper or on your computer, just take a second to pray and ask God for his wisdom and guidance to highlight and bring to the forefront portions of your story that you might have tucked away or even forgotten about. And maybe also even pray that God gives you the strength to write the things down that you've never spoken of or even written about before. Just knowing and praying that God will use those moments to heal not only yourself, but used as a testimony to others of God's mercy and grace. So first, just write. And there's a structure to this. 
I'd personally break down your story into different categories. And honestly, I'd use a different page for each topic. That way it keeps things cleaner and a little bit more organized. So you don't have to crunch in everything that you're feeling or that you remember into the confined margins. But maybe you start off with your childhood and the highlights of specific moments in your life that you were proud of or moments you weren't proud of and hard times or trials. Maybe even talk about your family's heritage. Um, I, I would also suggest moments you said no to the things that at the time you wish you had said yes to, as well as moments that you said yes to things that you wish looking back now on that you wish would, you would have said no. Talk about maybe the loss of loved ones, topics or situations in your life that you maybe have had trouble coping with and hard to understand or grasp. Talk about your passions, your callings, your relationships, whether that's in high school or college. Talk about your various jobs and, and your marriage. And I guess now, too, we can even add a whole section on, on pandemics. But these are line item topics that you write responses for underneath. And second to that, I want you to take time to reflect on everything that you wrote above that. And at the bottom of the page, below where you would respond under the topic headline, I want you to draw a line across the page. And underneath that line, I want you to write five different headings since hindsight is always 2020. So first, I want you to talk about God's hand at work. How was God working in that storm or that situation that you realize now that you didn't know? And second, underneath that God's hand at work, were there any specific people that he put in your life during that time that poured into you or possibly helped guide you or mentor you? And second, under that line, I want you to put theme. Are there any specific themes now that you're reflecting that you really notice are heavily emphasized throughout your story? And then third, reactions. What were your initial reactions while you were going through that specific time in your life? If you can think about what you were feeling or kind of put yourself back in the, into those shoes during that time. And fourth, God's sovereignty. How did the situations in your life that you wrote about above, how did they end up illuminating God's sovereignty? And these can also be kind of your aha moments of like, oh, so that's why you did that. And that's why you had to have that happen. Or that's why you had to remove that person in my life. So this really addresses God's hand of sovereignty. And fifth and final is action. How can you use what you learned from what you wrote above? Again, hindsight is always twenty twenty. And how can you use that to minister or encourage and empower someone else as they walk through maybe a similar season of life that you were reflecting on? So just know that writing your story is not going to be something that you can do within a couple of minutes, let alone a couple of hours. And if that's the case, then you, my friend, are not only cutting yourself short, but you're also cutting short God's story. So maybe make it a point to journal about it and possibly challenge yourself every day to take just little chunks of this project, if you will, and take on a different category as you recall memories. And maybe one day you just want to focus on relationships and another day you want to focus on formative experiences. But don't rush and just give yourself the grace of removing perfection. It's something that I have a horrible time with when it comes to writing. I just want it always to be perfect, even down to my handwriting, which is absolutely ridiculous. But remove perfection from the task and just let things come to the surface as you write and just take it piece by piece. Don't think about it, just write. And if you need to edit, edit later, but put pen to paper or your fingers to your keyboard and just let everything flow. And third, if you're experiencing writer's block, even when I was in school and I had to do a project, my roommate would call it snack procrastination because I would find every single way to go to the pantry to avoid writing because I needed something to eat. Even though I wasn't hungry, I just had to eat, but which was essentially snack procrastination because I was choosing a snack over actually writing my paper. 
But with that said, if you come to a point where you are just numb and you can't write any further, take a break from it. Go meet up with a friend and maybe even ask them to maybe share their story or a part of their story. And as you listen, take note mentally of the various ways that you see how God's sovereignty played out in their life. And feel free to share with them or just keep it to yourself, but just keep note of that as you're listening. And as you write, you'll notice that there will be some antagonists that pop up. There always will be. They're always in every story. But I challenge you in the reflection portion of this exercise that you remember the story of Joseph, especially in Genesis chapter 50, where Joseph is reunited with his father Jacob as well as his brothers before their dad passes. And once Jacob, their father, dies, Joseph's brothers were afraid that Joseph would hold a grudge against them or make them suffer for all the wrongs that they did to him. And I mean, Joseph had every right considering what his brothers did to him by selling him into slavery at age 17 and then telling their father that Joseph was killed and staged his death and all these things. And that's all in Genesis chapter 37. But this is a perfect point in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, where Joseph is healed from the pain and has the strength within him to tell his brothers that he forgives them. And, and he does this by saying, don't be afraid. I can't take God's place. Even though you planned evil against me, God planned good to come out of it. This was to keep many people alive as he is doing now. How powerful is that? What someone else plotted and planned to be evil against you, God used it for his glory and for his will to be accomplished. So keep that in mind as you feel a weighted battle against the antagonists in your life journey. And remember that your life story is also God's story, authored by him. And he uniquely designed and crafted it to his standard of perfection because there are no mistakes in your story. And it is written in this exact way to bring him glory through your story. And I challenge you to chart God's hand in your life. That is one of the most powerful ways to gain direct insight into his purpose. And once you understand and accept your story, your testimony, it becomes a tool. And the cool thing about this is that my story, your story, as they intersect or cross paths or even weave together, like the tapestry example I shared, we become together story keepers of God's story and have the divine opportunity to share his story with the world. So be bold about your story and own every detail of it. And as a follower and a believer in Christ, your last chapter of your book will end in eternal worship of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I pray as you take your last breath that God utters, well done, my good and faithful servant, as he calls you home. So in closing, if and when you decide to share your story and you confide in those around you that you trust or whoever you feel led to share it with, Maybe that's one person. Maybe that's a million people. Maybe that's writing a book. Maybe that's just journaling and keeping it to yourself temporarily until you feel led. But community is key. And as it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, we are also called to bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. And in order to truly bear these burdens with others, you have to know your brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's an active relationship, not a passive one. And the interesting part about that is that Jesus always prayed for the unification of believers because he knew and saw how hard it was for us as humans to all get along with each other because our fleshly desires make it sometimes difficult to allow for God's will to be done through us when we get attached to our own ways of doing things. But the other reason why I believe Jesus prayed for this type of unification of believers was because he knew that the unity would be appealing and attract other non-believers to himself and God. And that's what's so powerful about the Holy Spirit because it sanctifies us. And whatever works God begins in us, he will no doubt finish to completion. And he will utilize the Christ-centered community around you to do it. So remember, within your story, you have one mission. 
you have one purpose, and that is to bring glory to God, not to yourself, but to God. And you might not like your story some days. Trust me, I'm right there with you. And other days you might wish that there was a pause button to just soak it all in a little bit longer. But because of redemption, we can either choose to embrace all aspects of our story, or we can choose to completely resist it. But real quick in closing, I want to share with you a story in the Old Testament about how your story, without even knowing it, might intersect with someone else's to enhance and continue forward God's mission and purpose in your life and others. In 2 Kings chapter 5, there was a young girl from Israel who was taken captive and she was serving the wife of Naaman. And Naaman was respected and he was the head of the army of the king Aram. And interestingly enough, although Naaman was this strong, courageous warrior, he was also a leper and he had leprosy. So think of it this way. If you were a young servant girl to a woman whose husband was a leper, can you imagine the position you would be in? Because you would barely speak the language, you're in a foreign country, but yet she decided to speak up. And she told her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. And Naaman's leprosy must have been so bad that he was willing to take this risk. And he got cleared by the king of Aram to go to see the prophet. And he took the risk and he listened to the captive Israeli girl who was his wife's servant and he traveled to Israel and Naaman was healed. And that's a very heavy spark notes version of that whole chapter. I highly recommend you read it because there's a lot more points within there to take out. But here's the point with all of that. The young girl could have stayed quiet. She could have been too afraid to speak up, but she spoke what God had put on her heart and she allowed for God to use her in that moment to impact someone else's story. And that was it. It wasn't like she was and many chapters in the Bible, let alone Naaman's life book, it's just one quick page, one short sentence. And although she was held captive, our God was not in that moment. She was God's reflection of glory. And it doesn't matter the amount of influence you have. This, this story is case in point for that. It also doesn't matter how many followers you have or how important you are within the confines of worldly standards. God will use you to bring glory to his name and position you to play an important role in his grand story, which will have an unbelievable eternal impact. So start writing. There are those around you that need your story, that need his story. You are loved, my friend. Go rise up. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that these words encouraged and challenged you and postured your heart for the rest of the week ahead. If you have a minute, go to the subscribe and review section of this podcast and leave us a word or a Bible verse that you've been carrying in your heart throughout the week that keeps you encouraged and motivated. I really just want to make this podcast review space almost like an added bookmark for that simple reminder that we're all in this together and that God's got this. Feel free to share this episode with your friends, family, or on social media. Also, for more information on Proclaim and Lead Ministry, our Bible and 365, as well as the Falkirk Center, please click the links below. We're so grateful to have you join us right here every Wednesday on Midweek Rise Up.